0: Welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast, covering the people and places about fly fishing in Ireland. For this week's episode, I speak to the English writer and angler Tom Fort, who has been in love with the River Shore since he was first introduced to it by Nile Fallon in the 1990s. Tom returned to the Shore last September after a 20 year hiatus, realizing what he'd been missing out on all this time, and he's vowed to come back after the COVID 19 crisis is gone. I speak to Tom about the shore, as well as his friendship with Niall Fallon, the well-known journalist, editor and angling writer, and whose son Garrett founded and edits the quarterly Fallon's Angler magazine. I first asked Tom, though, about his latest book, Casting Shadows.
1: I wanted to do something about, to kind of celebrate my own, all the pleasure and enlightenment uh, that I've had from being on rivers and in rivers um, and thinking about rivers and dreaming about rivers, mainly rivers, lakes as well. Um, and I thought the way to do that was to, to look uh, at our relationship, as in our human relationship with our freshwater fish in all its forms, all its facets, including angling. So there's a big chunk in the book about the kind of birth of angling and and how Uh, The pursuit of fish for food, for uh, protein, sort of gradually turned into the pursuit of fish for fun, for pleasure, for excitement. But also I cover, uh, there's a lot in it about sort of commercial uh, netting and trapping of salmon and eels and bits about um, sort of monastic fish ponds and and more contemporary stuff about the evils of salmon farming and, and the growth of kind of, Conservation consciousness uh, among the angling community. So uh, it's really a sort of celebration of that whole world and what it's meant to me over my life.
0: Sounds fascinating. Actually, I can't wait to to have a read of it myself. How you fished in Ireland, Tom? How do you compare how integrated or how important fishing is in the life and culture? Of Ireland compared to that um, in Britain.
1: Well, I, you know, I would love to have. If it, I've always said that if I had to go, and if for some reason I was expelled from uh, from my home country, um, Ireland is one of the one or two uh, other countries where I think I could live. Uh, I could live happily, and the the water, the the rivers, the fishing available in Ireland. Uh, Would be a a huge part of that. I mean, I've only ever been to Ireland as a visitor, and I've been on holiday there, but mainly I've come in order to uh, to go fishing. And of course, you know, the fishing experience in your country is is completely different. It's uh, for a start, if your passion is trout fishing in this country, I pay you know nearly three thousand pounds a year to have access to really good. Uh, trout fishing on the chalk streams, uh, I can come to your part of the world uh, and pay what seems to me almost a pittance to fish on the shore, uh, which is just one of the greatest trout rivers on the planet. Um, I, I've i had hugely happy times over many, many years in Ireland, mostly, mostly pretty unsuccessful, but enough in the way of... Um, success to sort of bring me back and I actually came back last September to fish on the shore for the first time in many, many years and I was sort of bowled over. It was sort of revelatory to me. I'd forgotten what a phenomenal river it is Um, and what a, you know, just sitting beside it and looking at it uh, what an experience that is! If you if you understand anything about how rivers work, the, the richness of the of the river, its setting, uh, and the head of trout in it is just uh, just astonishing. Um, so yeah, they're very different experiences, but uh, I will definitely, having come back to Ireland, um, unless something terrible happens to me, um, I've sort of made a date in my head. Uh, not to leave it so long again.
0: What what led you to come back after such a long period of time?
1: Well, I tell you, I sort of... For quite a few years, I used to fish every year in Slovenia, and I had some wonderful experiences in Slovenia, but for for reasons I won't bother to go into, the kind of experience uh, became um, degraded in, in some ways. And so I thought, where... You know, where I'd like to go away for a trip, I, and I love to fish on my own. I like to fish with friends as well, but I also like to go away on my own. Uh, and so, reading about the shore and and reliving experiences I had, uh, particularly with a very old friend of mine now, long, long dead, Niall Fallon, a big, big figure in uh, Irish fly fishing, and I kept the sort of memories of the shore kept on nagging at me. Um, so I got in touch with a guy called Kevin Rowe in uh, care um and said i was thinking of coming and he very kindly advised me and then i came over and he met me and he showed me around and um yeah the weather wasn't it was boiling hot really tricky conditions but yeah i caught some fish and uh it was tremendous
0: we'll talk about the shore in a minute because the shore is my own local river and i know kevin and, and i'm a member of the, the care um, fly anglers and it, it is an incredible river and like you said i think we take it for granted here especially being so close to us and, and how well it fishes. Talk to me a bit about Niall Fallon, how you got to know Niall, because obviously Niall will be very well known to uh, people in the fly angling community over here.
1: Um, a, a brother, one of my brothers, Matthew Fort, who's uh, a big, big figure on in the food world over here and a judge on TV cooking programs and such like, uh, a long, long, long time ago, he, at a low ebb in his fortunes, went to uh, live and work in Dublin and he's a keen uh, fisherman and and he and I and our eldest brother did a load of fishing when we were young anyway he went to live in Dublin as a young man and he was introduced uh, to this distinguished Dublin journalist Niall Fallon at some social gathering and, and in the way that you know anglers whenever they bump into each other it doesn't take long for them to get round to discovering the mutual interest and Niall at that stage, having been a very, very keen fisherman and written a lot about fishing, had actually given up fishing uh, for some reason. And Matthew, my brother, sort of said, Oh, come on, you know, you've got to show me around. And so he, Niall, showed Matty around uh, some waters in County Meath uh, and lakes. And then as a result of that, Matthew invited Niall over to fish with us. Uh, on the Eden in Cumbria uh, and we all got on very well together and as a result of that he, Nile, arranged a couple of epic uh, trips to the west of Ireland to Delphi and Corrib, and uh, all those places incredibly unsuccessful they were generally Uh, but the second of those trips involved coming down to the shore so I became very... Uh, I was a passionately keen angler. um, And also, because I worked in journalism as well, we got on well on that basis. And he had a great love of fishing books, as did I. uh, And so I went over and and fished with him, and he fished over here. um, And I learned a huge amount from him.
0: And was the shore your favorite um, place to come fishing here?
1: It was, absolutely. As soon as I can still remember, this, we, we turned up there in care, he had fished there uh, every year for a, for a long time, and he knew the he knew the river pretty well. And he was very friendly with this legendary figure, Liam Farrell, who lived in care, um, who sort of gave instruction to uh, all his disciples who used to come along and ask for advice. And so we stayed at a B and B and and went down to this amazing river. Now it's changed since then. It uh, we can I can still remember when we first visited it, there was a meat factory, a sort of pie factory I think in Care or on the outskirts of Care, which used to pour this uh, disgusting stream of sort of meat refuse (laughs) into the river and it smelled to high heaven and the whole from sort of Swiss cottage down the whole bed of the river was covered in bits of fat and gristle and such like, I mean the, the tribe didn't mind at all but it was pretty dire uh, and so I wrote an article I was then writing over here for the Financial Times, and I wrote an article about um, about all of this, and then there was a local campaign, and eventually something was uh, was done about it. But walking up and down the river, it was impossible not to be amazed by the sheer number of rising fish, on, you know, fish feeding on the surface uh, on emergers and dry flies, Uh, And already by that time in England, those kind of daytime hatches were beginning to uh, decline very obviously. Um, So the shore gave you this idea of this impression of an incredibly sort of rich river, rich feeding and bloody difficult fish to catch. They were too difficult for me at that time. But I, I went back a couple of years later with Niall and we had a great evening on the sedge at Swiss Cottage. And we had... Good fishing up at Ballycaran, um upstream from Care. Uh And yeah, I uh, I just 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 got into my head and wouldn't go away. It,
0: it seems to be one of those like I suppose people outside of Ireland they think of fly fishing for trout. They think of Corrib, really, don't they? Um, the kind of the, the western locks, but the sure yeah, doesn't really.
1: And then Sheelin as well, and and drifting in, drifting in boats. So yeah, I did a bit of that. I'm not really that enamoured of uh, of I'm very happy to go out in the boat for a couple of hours a whole day's boat fishing uh, I did a bit of it with Nile on um, on Corrib. several outings they were never particularly successful and I find the sort of confinement of the boat um, gets gets to me after a while I'd always rather be beside a river um, and able to sort of uh, to move around and Ireland has amazing river fishing for, for trout. I mean, where now lived in, um, in County Meath, there were, there were three streams within two or three miles of him, um, the Deal and uh, the Boyne and uh, the Athalo, which had fantastic... They'd been dredged and mucked around with, but they still had amazing, uh, amazing dry fly fishing available. And, and that is the case um, all over Ireland, really, um, that's why I wouldn't mind going to live there but it's too late now
0: the sure doesn't and, and the sure in fairness it doesn't come out like for the size of the river and and the kind of the choice of fishing you could have on it like it's just it's very you know underfished i would argue from a kind of an outsider's perspective well it's
1: such a big river uh, it's such a big river that's the thing the, sh- the the depth and the volume uh and the you know and the fact that it is you know there are many many miles of it and and yeah, when I came back in September this uh, and and Kevin Rowe sort of showed me around. I had you know I sort of remembered Swiss Cottage and Leamy's Lane and such like, but the bits higher up, uh, I didn't really remember and of course it's quite a business going down sort of lanes and tracks and such like to get there. I'd, apart from the Swiss Cottage stretch which was consistently fished two or three times uh, I went down there. The rest on the other stretches I didn't see anybody at all. And, and actually at Swiss College there's loads of room. Uh there's of, and the, and, the, and the you know there are so many fish and there's such a variety of water that uh yeah it's it could take you know if you transplanted it to to Slovenia you'd have hundreds of anglers from all over Europe on it. So um yeah, you're very lucky. Yeah.
0: And in in terms of actually I'm interested Tom in how how long was the gap between when you were fishing at Whitten Island and then when you came back in September?
1: Um 20 years.
0: How have you noticed in that 20 years like um fly life fly hatches has that gone down Has it decreased?
1: Well, in this country, my country, they've they've decreased. Uh, I mean, daytime hatches are almost um, I wouldn't say they're unheard of, certain, but on the chalk streams down in Wiltshire and Hampshire that I mainly fish, um, they are an absolute—not even a shadow of what they were thirty years ago. Um,
0: Did you see any difference I, on the river?
1: Yeah, I, when I well, that was why I was, this is why it was so sort of heartening. Really, I I went down to a stretch, so this would be just below. It'd be below Ballycurran Bridge, sort of twelve o'clock on a September day, as I say, you know, hot and sunny, um, and I did a bit of nymph fishing, got a couple of fish, and you know, there was the odd rise here and there, and then there was quite suddenly, around about sort of twelve thirty, a like somebody flicked a switch, a sort of consistent rise uh, of olives. The fish were almost impossible to catch, but uh, so, but they fished, they fed you know, consistently for about an hour and a half. Then it tapered off, and then around about sort of 4.30 in the afternoon, I went down to Swiss Cottage. Uh And the same same thing, just an odd fish here, and then another one, and then another one, and then within 10 minutes or so, uh, a good number of fish sort of feeding consistently on the surface, uh, and I got two or three um in the sort of late afternoon, early evening. So yeah, it was just sort of. I thought, Christ, this is what this is what it used to be like in <laughs> in my country. <laughs>
0: Although, in fairness, if you talk to locals, they will tell you that the you know the 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 hatches have gone have declined in recent years. Yeah,
1: uh, I'm sure. That's right. I'm sure that's right. And I, you know, maybe I just hit it right, and, and they probably don't hatch in the I mean, I can remember Niall and I meeting Leamy Farrell at, at Swiss Cottage on an incredibly windy day in June where there were so many olives um, it's the only time I've ever tried to fish where the wind was so strong that after you cast the wind took the line off the water into the air um, and there were absolute blizzards of olives uh, coming down and being blown in your face and in your ears and, uh, and, and such and I'm sure that's true uh, I mean for, you know modern farming practices which i you know are, are certainly at the root of, of of a lot of this um Ireland suffers from them uh as well I think probably what sort of helps for sure is that uh, you know it's so big um uh you know it's quite a difficult r- river to wreck uh smaller streams are probably more adversely affected
0: and it's a quite a challenging river as well in terms of floods. oh fishing.
1: gosh yeah i mean it's, and 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 Particularly more challenging as you get older, because the other thing is that in a lot of places the banks are really high uh, and you come off the bank and you you're into water up to your so above your waist right next to that and of course, at my age i 'm nearly seventy now in the old days i could i didn 't you know I would sort of scramble around and in and out and and go over my waders and so and not bother too much about it, but when you get to my age, you know I use a wading stick i 'm really careful and Getting up a vertical bank out of five feet of water, <laughs> so I was really careful to make sure I checked on a sort of exit point before I fished anywhere. Um, yeah, so it is. It's, it's and, and presentation and such like. A, you know, it's it's demanding. You've got to be careful about drag, um, and you know what, and the fly. And and all the rest of it. So yeah, it's it's very challenging.
0: Wasn't it Lord Gray in his book? In the yeah, he
1: um, he doesn't actually identify by name in in his book fly fishing. But the the best bit in it is account of him uh, staying, I think, probably upstream somewhere upstream from Care in the eighteen eighties, I think. And uh, you know he reckoned himself he he was brought up in Winchester, caught trout on the itchin Uh, considered himself to be, you know, a a pretty well-educated dry fly man. Went to the shore and he couldn't catch anything uh, at all um, and was in despair. And then, and it's a very good tip for us all to remember, uh, was to keep low and instead of fishing from behind so much to try and get them across angle, uh, so that the fly and only the fly goes over the fish, rather than uh, the cast or leaders we call them now, um, with the fly at the end. So he got them from fishing from sort of, as it were, sideways on with plenty of slack to get the fly to come, and he, he then he then hit hit gold dust.
0: Mm, mm, that's right. And he was. I'm just. I'm looking at the quote here. Uh... There there were trout visibly and audibly rising, which had never seen an artificial dry fly. They defeated me utterly. I walked and knelt and waited and laboured and perspired under August sun without success. <laughs> and that was in 1880.
1: We've well, we all been there,
0: haven't we? <laughs> oh, it's incredible. But yeah, like 150 years later. From, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: laboured and perspired. And, and he probably leaves out all the kind of cursing and... and, and... The less elevated aspects of it, but uh, yeah, none of that has none of that has changed. You're a very lucky man living down there. I was thinking, well, I went in September last year, and that was, you know, that was uh, that's quite a good time to go. But I kept on thinking about what it would be like to be uh, out there for sort of after supper, for sort the of late June, early July, um, where there must be good hatches of sort of odd blue-winged olives and sedges and,
0: and well, such like what i was finding actually tom was it was actually nearly dusk nearly dark you'd think you'd missed it and then it would just come on for a few minutes
1: yeah but i i can remember one evening it was night at, at swiss cottage uh, and we went down after dinner so it was you know it was quite late and i waded across i waded across the river he said so he fished up the true left bank and I fished up the true right bank uh, within earshot of each other and, and I could just hear him uh, muttering away and and um, <laughs> sort of splashing and catching <laughs> and I got I think I got about 11 fish uh, pretty much one after another and I can remember each time I netted one I leant forward and my scissors fell out of my pocket into the river and I then and, and I didn't have the sense to do up my pocket this happened each and every time. And I waited back, it was completely pitch black and nearly midnight uh, when I found him and he 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 said he had lost count at twenty. Yeah, there are some very, very I, I had a after Niall died, I went back on my own I think about a year he died 20, over twenty years ago. The year after he died I went I went back to see his stay with his widow um, and sort of retrace footsteps. I went down to care uh, and in the evening went up to um, Ballycurran, the bridge at Ballycurran, and sort of walked. Well, I stopped on the bridge. I got there, I think, about nine o'clock or so, and there were so many fish feeding. Uh, And I thought at that time I had sort of worked out to a degree that when fish were feeding hard in the late evening, it was in the sort of early dusk. It was normally blue wing olives, and, and there was a wonderful fly tire, Alice Comber in, in care, who I used to get flies from, and so I had some good patterns. and I thought I'm going to make such a slaughter of these poor, simple minded Irish trout this evening. So I sort of waded in, and you could see the you know you could see the BWOs coming down in kind of squads on the surface. and Anyway, so I've covered fish after fish after fish and had absolutely no response at all. By this stage, it was getting quite dark, and I sort of looked down. I thought, what would Niles suggest? Uh, and he'd say, just take a moment to think about it when you're making an idiot of yourself. So I looked down, um, and the surface of the water was completely covered in canis, Um, And it so happened that Alice, uh, in the tackle, Alice Comber, that morning, I'd seen chatting to her and she'd said, oh, you know, they're catching a lot of fish on canis. And I I didn't really know what canis were, to be honest, but she gave me, I've still got three of them, uh, these flies that she tied on, size 26. They were amazing things. And and I thought, can I tie this on? Anyway, I've managed by an amazing fluke to tie this thing on. Um, and uh, there was a really big fish feeding straight upstream from it, and I thought, why would it take this when the surface is is completely covered? Uh, And, of course, it did. Immediately, as soon as it came down up, it came, uh, and it broke me, uh, and it was too late to put on another one. still feel I still feel very aggrieved about that Um,
0: (laughs) talk to me about Niall Fallon um, and obviously because you edited that book Bright Waters
1: that's right yeah he he had produced a book published only in Ireland called the Irish game anglers anthology or something which uh, so he had done a lot of trawling around and whenever I saw him you know we used to go and look in bookshops and compare what he'd bought and what I'd bought and uh, and such like uh, and this anthology was unknown in in England um and it was not very the production values were not great so it didn't really do justice to all the work that he had done and um and again after he died uh I had have uh, a friend, a publisher of fishing books, Merlin Unwin, who stood, used to do a huge number of fishing books, and uh, I had already done uh, a fishing book with him called The Far From Complete Angler. And I suggested to him that an Irish fishing um, anthology, uh, you know, might might work. And he had, by that stage, started publishing the books by Peter O'Reilly about Irish rivers and locks and such like, Um and he said, oh, yeah, fine. And then I thought, well, actually, we can do better than. So I got some extra material. I expanded it with a bit more, with some coarse fishing material and some and a bit of sea fishing material. Um, and the result was what I think is actually one of the most sort of handsome looking. Um, I don't think it's sold particularly well, but. I'm still really, really pleased with it. And anyone who, uh, you know, has a curiosity about Irish fishing writing, of which there is a, you know, there is a lot, um, and a lot of it's not much good, but some of it is really good. And, and the way in which um, certain writers sort of capture uh, the essence of of the sort of Ireland of old, um, rural Ireland. And uh, the landscape and the rivers—it's um, f- absolutely full of good stuff. And um, yeah, I'm still really proud of that book.
0: No, it is, and it's, I have a copy of it at home as well. And it's—I um, I love those kind of books because you can dip in and out of them, you know. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. You don't have to. You, there's no narrative thread right. for you to try. and... To have to keep hold of,
0: <laughs> but you're but you're also writing as well, Tom. Um, you're involved with Niall's son, Garrett, in Fallon's Angler. Uh,
1: well, I'm not exactly involved. I keep a i keep a sort of an eye on his activities. Yes. Uh, well, I've remained sort of friendly with the family. Uh, Niall had a uh, had a brother now also dead called Porrick, who survived him. Porrick was a really big figure in. Um, Financial journalism in London, and, and was the uh, chairman of EuroMoney, which was a was and is a hugely in, important, influential sort of financial analysis magazine. But porrick was also a mad, keen fisherman, although completely useless at fly fishing. He was really, really? only interested in salmon. So I remain in touch with him and the rest of the family. And then, uh, and I was aware that the, this son, Garrett who now I used to talk about, and I probably, when I was staying there, saw this shambling teenager at some stage sort of going off to fish for Rudd or whatever in the canal. Um, and then, lo and behold, he popped up in London um, and, and, and uh, with this completely mad idea to start a fishing magazine. Um, and I did my utmost to dissuade him um, quite ineffectually. Uh, and since then, I... <laughs> Uh, i have a subscriber and occasional contributor. And whenever I meet up with Garrett, uh, I tell him which writers that you know he really needs to show the door to. And, and But it is a good magazine. I mean, fishing magazines are generally pretty terrible. And, and the really good ones don't last very long. The, the best of them from long ago when I was a boy was a magazine called Creel, which was edited by Bernard Venables. Um, and that lasted for about five years and then folded. Um, the problem with fishing writing is, as I discovered, having written a lot about fishing, is that you run out of things to say, um, uh, and then you just start saying the same thing over and over again. Um, and then it's pointless and you'd be much better off going fishing. Well, Garrett hasn't reached that stage yet. Maybe he will. Uh, and also he hardly ever goes fishing anyway. Um, because he's, he's, uh, he's sort of too busy. So he lives in this sort of fantasy world of, uh, Sort of make-believe fishing, which is uh, which is sort of delivered to him by all these writers. But I must say, he makes a tremendous job of, of production. It's a really indiv- his his father would tell him that he was an idiot for doing it, and would be secretly be extremely proud of him.
0: <laughs> well, I think do you know what. In fairness, it's it's found. I think it's found its feet over the last year or two in terms of its personality and its quirkiness, because I think that's kind of what you need. It needs to have that kind of clear definitive personality that's a little bit different um because like you said i think the problem is with fishing when you're writing about fishing whether it's fly fishing any type of fishing is you end up say- saying the same things just with different yeah. locations so it's a
1: that's it and and you start and the worst thing is you start going fishing not in order to go fishing but in order to have something to write about um and which which sort of takes the edge off the uh, off the pleasure and uh, yeah I think it's I mean I, I I wouldn't you know it's a young younger younger man's kind of um, pursuit uh, I wouldn't want to do it myself have, you know but I, I I admire him for for doing it and I'm just looking at I'm just looking at it now I've got a big stack of them here and uh, yeah it looks it just looks good it looks different. Uh, and I know the people I've got to, to take out subscriptions to say, you know, they really, most of them really appreciate it.
0: Mm. And, and in fact, Niall's writings in it is great, are great as well. I'm trying to get him on the podcast. Um, he's a busy man between the day job and doing the magazine, but I do want to get him on to talk about the magazine. Yeah,
1: you've got to get him. I mean, he's, he doesn't know anything much about fishing, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know anything. I took him down to the show. We went down, we were... We were sort of flooded off after one evening, but we went down and um and I said, Look, come on, go! you've got to learn how to, to cast a fly, your father would be ashamed of you. because um, he really only knows what to do with a float and maggots and such. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I am not a fishing snob in any way, shape or form. Um but anyway, we never got a chance. I thought sort of Well I gotta you know, I've got to try and steer him um away from all these sort of smelly baits and wriggly objects. Uh, but we were there the, was then the most tremendous deluge and the river came up about four feet and that was the end of all fishing
0: um, Tom we'll just finish up I want to ask you about your writing um, I'm a non-fiction writer myself as well and I just I, again I'm just looking at the breadth of topics that you've covered from, lawn, from lawns um, village, yeah
1: lawns the, eels, eels the weather the weather um, boating down the river Trent in a punt. Um, I, I did a book about travels in Eastern Europe, which actually had quite a bit of fishing in it. I fished around sort of Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Romania. Um, first of all in 1990, and then again in the 2000s, and did, did a very unsuccessful, commercially unsuccessful book about that. Um, yeah, I've covered all sorts.
0: The far, the far from complete angler.
1: Far from complete angler. That was the first thing. That was published by Merlin Unwin, and that was really a collection of stuff that I had written for, mainly for the Financial Times but also various uh, magazines which I collected and it also had a chunk of uh, stuff um, of the fishing I had done in Eastern Europe in 1990. I went, I travelled around three months after the Berlin Wall came down um, and met a whole load of anglers and was looked after by anglers and taken to obscure rivers and streams in lovely uh lovely sort of unknown locations then unknown locations Uh, and yeah so it was a sort of collection of, of of previous stuff um all the others have been kind of commissioned um and and written as one you know as a sort of um single narrative really
0: any particular favorites from the ones that you've written
1: yeah, the one that was most unsuccessful, the book of eels. Um, so eels are—I remain fascinated by eels. And funnily enough, that book, which was a complete flop when it came out nearly twenty years ago, is is about to be reissued I've, with the, my publishers, who've done casting shadows. This book said, "Oh, we should bring out the eels again because it." You know, it's it's time might have come. Who knows? <laughs> so I did a new introduction for it. But to do that book, I travelled all over. I went. Well, I spent. I spent. I made two visits to, to Ney in Northern Ireland to um, to go out with the, uh, the, the the eel fishermen on the loch uh, and to see the um, eel trap in operation uh, on the on the ban on the river coming out of uh, of Ney uh, I went to the States, I went to Italy, I went to France, I went to Denmark, I went all over the place, um, talking to eel fishermen and or experts, people who devoted ridiculous amounts of time and effort to working out what remains, you know, one of our, the behaviour, one of our most mysterious and fascinating creatures and it's very reassuring that book came out 20 years ago and in the intervening 20 years despite the fact that people have gone on studying the eel and all research programs all the rest of it that m- that much about it is still unknown and long may it continue
0: how do you convince your publisher publishers to publish such
1: <laughs> i don't know they're very gullible
0: <laughs> do you for, um, for you but if for you is it a case of you know you come up with a topic you you know you're looking for these kind yeah. of quirky ideas you Yeah,
1: wanted. mostly. Uh, I did, I've done... I did... The most successful, commercially successful book I did was about the A303 Highway to the Sun, which was a sort of... Um, it was a look at this road. That, it's the road that goes past Stonehenge. Um, and I did a book about not about its engineering, but about the history of the road, but also the way in which it sort of connected different landscapes and through different times. Uh, And the book was extremely successful and, in fact, is still selling. And that was not my idea. It was suggested to me, and I thought it was a really stupid idea to begin with, and then I fell in love with it. Uh, And it became a fascinating book to do and was a lot of fun to do. And I, among various things, I walked the entire length of the road because... Uh, which was no fun at all, but it was very, you see things when you're walking uh, that you don't see uh, when you're in a car or even when you're cycling. Um, so, yeah, but all the others uh, have been, yeah, ideas of mine. Um, and, and what's um, what's, what's uh, next?
0: Have you any plans for next? Uh,
1: I would just say, in, in addition to that, as a result of which, I've made virtually no money out of any of them. <laughs> um, uh, next, I don't know. I'm nearly seventy. Um, uh, each time, it's a very exhausting um, business uh, producing a book. Uh, very, and you get very. I get very anxious about it. So I'm extremely anxious at the moment because the book is just out, and because of the, all the bookshops are shut, and there are problems with distribution. And such like, I think it's going to be very hard, for, even for people who want it to actually get hold of it. But I mean, that's just one trivial aspect of this sort of catastrophe that's overtaken us all um, but each time I do it I think do I really want to do all that again and then something starts sort of nagging at me and um, I get down to it so yeah there are sort of things that are nagging at me um, I certainly won't write anything about fish or fishing again
0: Oh mm-hmm. really? Right. That's it you're done for it. you've covered all the I'm
1: bases? Done. I'm done I've done it I've, do- I've done it um, I'll probably you know I don't mind. I'm very happy to write something for Fallon's Angler every now and then, but I don't think I I don't think there's there's room in the book reading world for uh, yet another fish book.
0: Well, we'll keep an eye on whatever whatever you choose to to write, Tom, in the future. Um, (laughs) But if if people can't get a copy distributed at the moment of Casting Shadows, they can of course get the Kindle edition. So I know it's not the the favourite probably way for people to be reading a lot of the time but look there are options there so if they do want to try and get their hands on it um, that's
1: right Yeah, of course if someone's really determined they'll find it they can um, they can they can work at it
0: perfect well Tom I tell you what when you come over to Ireland when we get through all this madness at the moment
1: I'm definitely on my way and um, when I come again I will definitely sign up with the care anglers you know 20 quid a day uh, and to stay in this, in that Rather well, delightful, sort of slightly faded town is uh, is is such it's such a great place to be. Um, so yeah, I'll look you up,
0: and we'll we'll do another interview from the riverbank. I think that'll be even better. Sure, brilliant. Tom, thanks a million, and uh, for everybody, it's casting shadows, Fish and fishing in Britain by Tom Force. It's his latest book out, so do uh, try and get hold of it, and do also look through his his back catalogue from Book of Eels, Downstream Village News. A303, Channel Shore. I could go on, but have a look for yourselves. We've plenty of time there to be reading, so no excuses. Tom Ford, thanks a million for joining me.
1: It's been a great pleasure. Thanks.
0: My thanks to Tom Ford for joining me on the show. I'll be back next week with another episode of Ireland on the Fly. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also keep up to date on irelandonthefly.com as well as on Instagram at irelandonthefly. In the meantime, stay safe, and thanks for listening.